100 and 2000 UTC. to South Sudan in focus on the voice of America. I'm John Tanza in Washington working on this program very much. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan this Wednesday, October 12, 2022. The South Sudan Media Authority has introduced a new mandatory accreditation requirements for journalists operating in South Sudan. This regulation or accreditation of journalists should not suppress freedom of expression. This is the only concern we have that it should not suppress, it should not stop people from expressing themselves. And the SPLM National Secretariat has distanced itself from the actions of the Deputy Governor of Western Equatorial State. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. South Sudan's government-owned media authority has introduced a new mandatory requirement for South Sudanese working in various media houses in the country. The head of the media authority says South Sudanese journalists must apply for accreditation and provide a certificate in media studies for them to continue working in the country. But some journalists say the new condition could be maneuvers by the media authority to limit freedom of the press in the country. For VOA News, Manyang Debit Mayar reports from Juba. Speaking to reporters in Juba earlier today, Elijah Lier, managing director for the South Sudan's Media Authority, says all national journalists must acquire accreditation so that they are recognized as practicing journalists and qualified media practitioners. Accreditation shall be granted only to an individual upon presentation of professional certificates a recommendation letter duly issued by the media agency for which the media professional works and duly and uh, a file application form. A form will be uh, made available by the media authority. Under the new regulations, Chapter 2, Article 4, Subsection 1 states that any journalist being a citizen or resident of South Sudan who wishes to be recognized as an accredited journalist must apply to the authority for such status. Alier says national journalists will have to apply for renewal of their accreditation every year. Journalists that are fully recognized and working and meet the requirement, they will be able to get the full accreditation. And uh, the validity, as I told you, that is 12 months. The journalists outside Juba, this is a process. The launching of accreditation today is the process that is beginning, and it is an ongoing process. It's not going to stop. Alier says journalists will need to pay an annual fee to acquire accreditation, but did not specify the amount. The Union of Journalists of South Sudan has expressed reservations about the new authorities' regulation requiring journalists to acquire accreditation. Patrick Oyet, chairman of the South Sudan Union of Journalists, says the regulation is a new way for the government to restrict journalists from doing their work. 
this regulation or accreditation of journalists should not suppress freedom of expression. This is the only concern we have, that it should not suppress, it should not stop people from expressing themselves. Because freedom of expression is not, is, yeah, yeah, is not only about journalists. Even the freedom of media is not only about journalists, it's about everybody else getting opportunity, uh, getting space to express themselves. Rod George, a journalist with Juba Echo, an online news outlet, says he worries the accreditation requirement may be used as a tool to restrict some experienced journalists from doing their job. This announcement may impose may pose some restriction on the media operation, especially from the side of the of the national security. Because with the request of this document by the media authority, uh, some security operatives will will stick on it and will want every journalist to have this document. And for this reason, you know, it will, uh, it may create some small friction uh, among uh, the journalists in the field and the security. George, who holds a bachelor's degree in international relations and diplomacy, says he began as a volunteer journalist in 2010 and worked for two years without any basic journalism skills. He says his passion for his work prompted him to learn on the job how to cover news and write news articles. He says the regulation will shut out people with different profession from practicing journalism. Journalism is not necessarily a person that has gone to the school of journalism. It is a cross-cutting profession where even if you study health, even if you study petroleum or law, you are supposed to do journalism in which you will be a specialized based on the on the field that you have studied. Do reporting or analysis based on the field that you study. But then if it is restricted, people will be discouraged. According to the accreditation regulations, a graduate from other professions must have attained at least one year of training in media organization to qualify for accreditation. Liet Joseph with the Juba Bay City Review newspaper, who holds a bachelor's of art degree in mass communication, says even though he has a degree, he's still worried about the new regulation. Authority may use that as an advantage, right, to punish those people who might not uh, do what they want at the end of the day and withdraw or reject it, the accreditations. But at a certain moment when they disagree with the authorities, that thing might be withdrawn. And that's my worry. Kong Pal, chairman of the Association of Media Development in South Sudan, says the new regulation may affect certain journalists and advises all journalists to work closely with the media authority in respecting the law. I, I believe 90% of journalists have a certificate one way or another. There are those training that has been done. So it should not be a concern. It should not, be an, uh, it should not alarm journalists because what they need, you go there, you, you explain your position. I'm like this. I practice journalism. I see there's no problem. It's a good beginning. In the process, we'll see if it is getting to be a challenging, is something that we will, as AMDIS and other media institutions, will address with media authorities. There are about 200 journalists practicing journalism in South Sudan in about 100 active media houses. Alier says... The accreditation process will determine qualified journalists in the country. He says the new regulation will take effect in five days. For VOA News, I'm a young David Mayor in Juba.
The United Nations Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs says 900,000 people are affected by floods in 29 counties across South Sudan and some parts of the disputed Abuja area. Some of the families affected by floods in the country are calling on the government and aid agencies to provide humanitarian support. For VOA News, Sheila Pony reports from Juba. In its latest report on the flooding, UN Ocha said people in northern Bahar Ghazal, Warab, Unity and western Bahar Ghazal states are the worst affected. Annette Hens is the acting head of office for the emergency response agency. Floods have destroyed livestock, destroyed crops, washed away roads and bridges, destroyed people's homes, schools, health facilities, submerged boreholes and latrines, which is contaminating now the water sources. And this then risks the outbreak of various different diseases, especially waterborne diseases. UN Oja says there are increasing water levels in Rupkona and Bintu towns, putting pressure on existing dikes. The flood waters have now reached the highest levels seen in 2021, according to United Nations. Urul County Relief and Rehabilitation Coordinator Gatwang Jiangxiang describes the full scale of the devastation of the county residents are facing. There's no many highlands where people can be able to survive at this night, and we don't actually know what to do. For animals, mm. when they are just standing on the water, so the the difficulty for animals supposed to stay inside them, so. They are also full of water. They don't even lie down. So they keep standing because there's nowhere for them to go. At least 35,000 people have been displaced from their homes in rural county of Jongoli State, where last night authorities rushed to evacuate people to higher ground. Kalanj Bolish, chairperson of the Benti Youth Forum, says dikes broke down, causing flat water to flow into the camp. We are some meters away from the dike, and uh, the, the dike broke at night, so people were to rush for uh, essential properties, especially the document, and maybe grab some uh, drawer in the, in, the, in the house. That is the first thing you need to carry out. So we were rushing toward this side, while other people also blocking it there. They tried with, uh, with the container. They threw a container there, but it was also lifting it away from the from the van area. So it was really terrible for us. And uh, we can't imagine how this life is going to be because we have lost some other property. Kalange urged eight agencies to intervene. The IDP camp in Benju is home to about 26,000 people, many of whom are trapped at the camp due to flooding. The International Organization for Migration has scaled up life-saving support for the flood victims. Peter Van Diar is the IOM South Sudan Chief of Mission. We have been at the forefront together with UNMIS and WFP on building and maintaining the infrastructure, dikes, roads that uh, protect Benji Rubcon and the RDP camp against flooding. And this is, of course, an activity that we will continue to do, especially the monitoring and the repairs uh, as is needed. Hence, says work crews are working on repairs in the areas and identifying vulnerable areas before more rains set in. 
the teams have mobilized sandbags, soils, and are getting into canoes to facilitate going out into the water to then fix the dikes as they are leaking. Response efforts are ongoing to scale up the dike maintenance and dike repairs, and all of this contributes to prevent further flooding of, of some areas. In Western Bahar Gazelle State, the collapse of a key bridge between Wau Raja County due to heavy rains has hammered the aid response to some 50,000 people, including 30,000 returnees, mainly from Sudan, living in Raja County. The lack of access impacts the delivery of these critical supplies that people need. And that includes medical and nutrition commodities, all of whom are there trying to get into Raja County by the road. Over the last three years, South Sudan has experienced extreme flooding with 835,000 people affected by floods in 2021 alone. According to the Center for Humanitarian Data, much of the flooded since 2020 has reportedly been caused by high levels of water upstream, such as in Uganda's Lake Albert. While these water levels have been declining since the beginning of 2022, they remain at historical high levels. Officials say there will most likely be significant overflow into South Sudan throughout the rainy season in 2022. For VOA News, I am Sheila Pony in Juba. Lawmakers representing the ABA administrative area in South Sudan's National Assembly are condemning the ongoing violence that killed dozens of people from ABA and Twitch County of Warab State. The lawmakers are calling on President Salva Kiir to intervene and resolve the conflict between the two sides. For VOA News, Wakes Simon Wood reports from Juba. Lawmakers from the ABA administrative area are urging stakeholders to urgently address the crisis in ABA, saying the conflict is putting lives of many at risk. The MPs want the government to deploy new forces in the area. Tabitha Cholmaniel, a lawmaker representing ABA at the South Sudan Council of States, says many lives were lost and an unknown number of people have been displaced following Monday's attacks. The situation was really uh, very difficult on the ground. Uh, there were uh, many uh, people who have been displaced or redisplaced again. Uh, the clash is starting or the uh, attacks are starting very early in the morning, around 5 o'clock, where the heavy uh, machine guns was really directed to the civilians' areas. And then the women and children, some of them, they drowned because they were uh, running. And then also one of the issues, it is an issue of abduction of uh, one child and killing of some women. Maniel says young men who tried to protect the area are now controlling the situation. Officials from both ABA and Warab State on Tuesday told this program that empty young men from Twitch County attacked civilians in Agok town of ABA on Monday morning and a total of at least 25 people were killed. Officials also said houses were burned. 
Ariech Mayar Ariech, a lawmaker representing Warap State at the National Assembly, described the fighting as useless and called on Warap State and Abia leaders to own the problem. The two, the two government, the government of the area and the government of Warap, they must form one joint body to come out of the solution and take the ownership of that crisis. If the government of VA and Warap take the ownership of that crisis, then there's no, there's no one. This community uh, should engage into this useless fighting. Teresa Chol Agueg, another lawmaker representing ABA in South Sudan's National Assembly, also condemned the fighting and said she and her colleagues from ABA were surprised by the violence. Before the fighting erupted, Chol says lawmakers from Warap and ABA held a meeting with President Kir last Friday. The meeting focused on how the situation between the two communities can be resolved. Chol urged both communities to de-escalate the conflict, saying the issue cannot be solved by fighting. In this fighting, there is no loser and, and a winner, because the way we are staying together, we've been staying together, we are like brothers and sisters. But actually, what has happened now, it is not good for us. Chol says the two communities for decades have been as a family because of bondage that has been forged through intermarriages. We have to sit as a brother and sister on the table and negotiate. We cannot solve by fighting. We are losing so many uh, uh, innocent people. Those are the future of South Sudan. Maniel agrees, saying there is need to deploy security forces to improve security in the region. We are appealing to the two communities and to the government of South Sudan that there should be uh, reconciliation between the two communities because the two communities are sisterly and then they have been already intermarried. So it is very difficult to uh, let the fighting continue between the two communities. It should be, uh, there should be a committee or there should be initiative. In March, the Warab State Governor and the Chief Administrator of Abiyewea Samont by the Council of States over the matter which led to formation of an investigative committee. That panel has yet to visit the area to investigate the dispute. In April, President Kiri formed a high-level committee of 10 headed by Hassan Abdelbagi, the vice president responsible for the government's service cluster to investigate the dispute. Outcomes of the investigations have yet to be released. Maniel also says the solution to the problem of ABA instability lies in the final determination of the status of disputed ABA. For VOA News, I'm Waki Simon Wudo in Juba. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, a top official with the SPLM says the deputy governor of Western Equatorial State abused his powers. Find out why after the break. your health advice from? Sometimes I get my health advice from my grandmother who is at home. When I'm sick that I can't control myself, she will help. I get my health advice from my friend, colleague, who live together who also know about those who have been experiencing more problems about health. They don't advise me through phone, we talk, we chat, discuss everything. My dad, because my dad is a doctor. 
I'd say I get my health advice from various places, the internet, my parents, because I have my mother is a nurse. My health advice, I get it on the internet. If I need something on how to deal with obesity, I get it on the internet. Anything I need pertaining to health advice is on the internet. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. SPLM Secretary for Political Affairs says the decision by the Deputy Governor of Western Equatoria State to pull out of the state government was, quote, unilateral and taken without consultations with the party's National Secretariat in Juba. The Deputy Governor of Western Equatoria State, who is also the SPLM chairperson, ordered the withdrawal of SPLM from all government institutions, including executive, legislative assembly, independent commissions, and county authorities. For VOA News, Wake Simon Wood reports from Juba. Western Equatorial State SPLM Chairperson Kennedy Ganiko accused Governor Alfred Futio Karaba of being corrupt and failing to follow government policies in running the affairs of the state. But the SPLM National Secretary for Political Affairs, Organization and Mobilization Kuala Tem says the row between political parties in Western Equatorial State is nothing unusual and should not compel Ganiko to withdraw the party's participation in the state government affairs. Atem says the SPLM leadership is working to fix the matter. Public must be calm and the, the national uh, secretariat through the leadership of the party, we are going to resolve that. We are not, we have not reached that extent to, to condemn, but we, we are, we are saying he should have not declared that without contacting the national secretariat. Late last week, Ganiko, along with several SPLM officials in the executive and parliament of Western Equatorial State, decided to withdraw their participation in state government institutions after Ganiko, who is also deputy governor, accused Governor Alfred Futuyo Karaba of corruption. Ganiko said Governor Futuyo deducted the salaries of civil servants, members of the executive and lawmakers of the state by 30% in July without the consent of executives and lawmakers. He says state lawmakers have not been paid in five months and neither have civil servants in the defunct states of Tambra, Meridi and Amadi. Withdrawal of the governor from the Council of Ministers meetings cited reason for being allegedly accused of mismanagement of public funds and will only resume the Council of Ministers meetings after the intervention of the national government to address issues in the state. Two, indefinite suspension of the Council of Ministers meeting by the governor on the 7th October 2022 without any clear administrative and legal reason. Three, the governor does not follow the government established system to administer the state affairs. Governor Futuyo's press secretary, Alex Daniel Digi, dismissed the allegations in a statement released by Ganiko calling them unfounded. Daniel says Governor Futuyo did not attend the State Council of Ministers meeting last Friday because he was not feeling well. 
all the accusations made by the deputy governor are not all concerns of the governor. These are the concerns of the ministries of what the point they raise. If it is an issue to do with the finance, it's supposed to be the minister of finance. If it is an issue to do with the integration, it's supposed to be the issue of the minister of public service. If it is the issue of the corruption, it's supposed to be the anti-corruption commission uh, responsibility. If it is an issue to do with the mismanagement and uh, uh, administrative in the state, it is the responsibility of the parliament. South Sudan in focus obtained a copy of the press statement signed by Ganiko on behalf of the SPLMIG and three individuals from South Sudan Opposition Alliance Osoa, other political parties and former detainees. The spokesperson for the other political parties, Albino Akol Attack, distanced his party from the move led by Ganiko. We have no member in that uh, uh, procession or whatever we have no and we are not even aware if there is any crisis uh, it was not uh, uh, brought to our attention as OPP uh, there is nothing that uh, like that so we are not part of what is happening there. Some members of the South Sudan Opposition Alliance in the state government later released a statement rejecting the move led by Ganiko for VN News I'm working Simon Wudu in Juba from Juba, we move to Harare, where Zimbabwe has joined the rest of the world in commemorating International Day of the Girl Child. Several groups in Zimbabwe are calling on the government to adopt measures to ensure girls remain in school and reach their potentials. Mwawere reports from Harare. For Camila Mutima, providing menstrual supplies would be a step toward uplifting girls in Zimbabwe. Mutima says lack of sanitary ways is a barrier to school girls like her, who sometimes are forced to skip school. I don't even think that there should be a price pegged on sanitary week. Menstruation isn't a choice. If a person doesn't get assistance on such issues like sanitary hygiene, uh, it might cause a lot of health issues. Uh, they should issue subsidies to people who manage sanitary so that is provided for free. Some private organizations are working to provide reusable menstrual pads to poorer children but Mutima says this does not ease the burden. We need to use um, a disposable pads instead of using reusable sanitary because the time that you use to wash that and the soap, you also need money to buy the soap to make sure that that thing is clean. You also need water to make sure that the material is clean and regarding our situation in Zimbabwe, sometimes we've got water, sometimes we don't have water, sometimes we've money for soap, sometimes we don't have money for soap. Shipo Masbanda is a university student in Arare. Masbanda says coming from an impoverished rural family, pets are unaffordable. The issue of Santar Way, I think we have to be given it for free because it's not even affordable. Some of us, we come from different backgrounds where we cannot... Yolanda Nyatanga is a social work student in Arare. She started the organization Youth Inspire to distribute sanitary work to rural girls and those from poor suburbs in Arare. Most of the population here in Zimbabwe is comprised of those that are not employed. The cheapest package costs a dollar. So for a girl child to access sanitary pads at a dollar per packet, it is difficult. 
and our parents cannot even afford to buy one for us. So I would suggest that the government would assist in making it possible for us to access sanitary pets for free, just as the way we are even accessing condoms for free. This is Rutendo Mawere Narare. That's all we prepared for you this Wednesday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. And for world news, go to voanews.com. If you miss this broadcast, go to voanews.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with Colonel Mido and the song Nani Ongere. Listening to Colonel Mido with the song Nani Ongere, and I will add to our listeners in Torit that VOA Ongere. I'm your host, John Tanza in Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us. Remember to join us again tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.